0: I want you to feel at home in the service as the Lord will allow you to do so. And I'm grateful for this privilege and opportunity to come together in the house of God. I'm uh, I'm glad that there's a, a better day and a better land awaiting us on the other side. I'm glad this world's not our home, we're just passing through. Sometimes I'm afraid we forget that, that this world's not our home. That uh, we've not been called to put our tent pegs too deep down here. The scripture said in the book of Hebrews that those that obtained in faith had here no continuing city. That is no permanent dwelling place. He said for if they had, they would have desired to stay here. But he said they knew they had one which was to come. And that's where we are. We are the same. We're walking by faith. We have here no permanent dwelling place. We may have a house that's built with hands. We do both physically in the body and uh, materially in the world. We may have a house built, but that's not our permanent place. We have a better day and a better place awaiting on the other side. Christ said, i have gone to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place, I will come again. Receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, the comfort in that, the joy in that, and what I think that we've lost sight of in our day is the whole purpose of that place is for us to be where He is. That's the purpose. Not mansions, not street of gold, Not gates of pearl. All those things are there. Thank God for that. And he's prepared a place that's unlike any other. But Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. That's the hope or the benefit or the blessing about that place that we're going to is we'll be where he is. Thank the Lord for it. We'll lay aside. I thought as we sung that verse, and I don't know the musical Term for it, but uh, if you'll notice that last song we sung, all three verses have a, a repeat within the verse. It's not the chorus, but it's part of every verse. And it seems like in those hymns, if you look at them and read them and ponder on them, it's what the writer really wants to stress. And every verse has got good things precious loved ones, our Savior's waiting, thank God for all that. That's what. That's our hope, but I thought about the writer's stress that we're now in a valley of sorrow. That's where we are. We're not to look at this place as our favorite place. This is a valley of sorrow that we're walking through. One of the writers said in another song, all we have in this world is disappointment. That's all this world has to offer because all that's in this world As we read this morning in the system of the world, it's not of God, it's of the world. And so anything that's not of God, all it can ever hope to offer is disappointment in the end. It may bring a few good days, it may bring a few thrills and frills, it may bring excitement, it may even offer a glimmer of hope for a time and a period, but everything that's not of God ultimately ends in disappointment. Because it can never last. The things of this world, and the scripture does say that there is pleasure in sin for a season, but that pleasure does not last. It it, it vanishes away and then there's repercussions for the sin. Especially if you're a child of God, there'll be correction and chastisement. And so in this world, we're just in a valley, a veil of sorrow. But thank God it'll all be joy, is what the next part said in that sweet home. I'm glad for that. It'll be an unending day. There'll never be any disappointment over there because it'll never run out. Nothing will ever fail. The writer said when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I'm glad for that. I'm glad there's hope beyond this life. A lot of people are living their life and the reason why so many people are depressed, And and I understand that that's a real thing But the reason a lot of people are Is because they built all their hope In things in this life And people are coming to the realization That all of the things And the hopes and the dreams That people have put their hope In the American dream And the American dream is failing It is failing People have put their hopes In world prosperity And world prosperity is failing we are seeing now more than ever before how temporal the things of this world is. It's just one disagreement between two countries away from being annihilated. That's where we are. Many people have way too much of this world in stake for their hope. And our hope's not in, if you're saved, your hope's not in this world. We have hope while we're living in this world, but our hope is not tethered to this world. If it is, it's not true hope. But our hope's tethered beyond where Christ the forerunner. It said we have an anchor of the soul. An anchor doesn't do you any good if it's not connected to the ship. They don't pitch an anchor overboard with nothing connected to the ship. If it did, it'd do no good. But we have an anchor of the soul in Christ and it's tethered to our spirit which is the man, the part of us that's been made alive toward God and it pulls on us every now and again. Thank God for that. And it doesn't matter what problem you're going through, doesn't matter what situation you're facing, there's something on the inside that even though our mind may be convinced, there's no hope. That's how it is. That's where the battle goes. That's what Paul was making the statement in Acts 27. I don't know why I'm saying all this, but it kind of ties in with what's on my heart this morning. Paul was making the statement in his mind in Acts 27 that all hope that we should be saved was taken away reasonably in their mind. That's how they thought. But Paul had something linked to the inner man, and he said it's going to be all right. There is hope even when the mind says there's not hope. I'm glad I know there's hope. Thank God for that. One rider wrote, I'm not afraid to cross that river. I'm glad I'm not. Thank the Lord there's someone awaiting. One rider wrote, there'll be someone waiting at the river for me. And it's not necessarily and I don't want to burst your bubble and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing folks, but that's not the emphasis there, is not loved ones going on, but thank God there's someone who's walked with us through this valley we're walking through, and he'll carry us safely across the river that's the one it's like what Song of Solomon wrote who is this the, 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 the women of the city got to looking at that relationship between that Shulamite who's the type of the church and, and that shepherd boy who's the type of Christ and they asked the question who is this that cometh up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved he was the reason she could come up she didn't have the strength in herself she was resting and trusting in him And that's why one blessed day we're going to come up out of this wilderness and this low land of sorrow and it'll all be because we're leaning on the strength of our beloved. Thank the Lord I'm glad I know that. He's everything. Without him we're nothing. But I'm glad in him, now that's not an arrogance for us to boast about, but in him we are somebody this morning. We're his child. We're a child of the king. We're the apple of his eye. That's what if you want to take language from the scripture, that's what the, the, the shepherd boy said about the Shulamite. He, she, he loved her beyond all beyond anything else. And that's the way the Lord feels about us. It ought to give us some confidence, not in ourselves, but in Him. That we're going to make it because of Him. I'm glad this morning that we are. Genesis chapter 21. If you have a copy of the Word of God I want to turn with us. Be in the book of Genesis chapter 21. I don't know 100% what all I'll say this morning, but I know I was driving down the road yesterday, and this verse and this thought came to my heart clear as day, and I've not been able to get away from it. And I've tried to pray and ask the Lord for His direction. I don't want to say anything more or less than what He once said for the service and the hour together. And I trust that the Lord will help us if we'll open our hearts to His help this morning. Genesis 21, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together. Out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Now, we probably all know the context. I won't take the time to read it this morning. But Isaac has been born, God's promised son. And of course, Ishmael has already been born before this. And we'll pick up reading in verse number 9 of Genesis 21. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread, And a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. The water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, for she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. God was with the lad and he grew and he dwelled in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I think there's a lot, or I know that there's a lot of uh, typology and a lot of different ways that this scripture could be preached this morning. I have, uh, in days gone by, preached by the direction of the Lord out of verse number 19 where the Bible said that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. I I I believe that the well was there the whole time, but Hagar could not see it. I think that in our day, and I don't want to preach on this, but I want to make mention of it in passing. I think in our day we have a great vision problem among the people of God. There are some things that are there that we ought to be focused on, and it was dealt with this morning in the Sunday school hour, but our focus, our vision, is not what it ought to be. Our eyes are not open to the things that they ought to be open to, and in Reality, we can go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and find out that the major problem that the Laodicean church had was a vision problem. They could not see things as they really were. They saw themselves in better shape than God saw that they were, and they saw that within themselves they had need of nothing, and yet God saw that they really had need of everything. That's where we are I believe today in our churches. We see ourselves in greater light than we ought to see. We are in danger of, as Paul wrote to the church at Galatia that no man is to think any higher of himself than he ought to think. Uh, and we're in dangerous ground today because we have a vision problem. God, the angel of God, the word of God, the letter of God to the church of Laodicea was to uh, have their eyes anointed with have spiritual eyesalves, that they may see themselves as God sees them. What we need in this day is for God to open our eyes that we may see ourselves and our situations and our circumstances and the souls that are waiting the balance around us in the same light as God sees all of those things. But my heart this morning is in verse number 17. The Lord spoke to my heart strongly about this and I want to try to preach on it if God will help me. That as Abraham has sent Hagar away and Ishmael, and uh, they have uh, used up all the water in the bottle. And, and Hagar puts Ishmael under a shrub and she uh, separates herself from him by distance. She doesn't. She knows what's coming. You don't wander in the desert as it was where they were with no water. You'll not last very long. And Hagar knows ultimately what's fixing to happen. The child's going to die probably first because he's more susceptible to the elements than she is and she begs God not to let her see the death of her son. And the Bible said that God heard the voice Now, the Bible said that in verse 16 that she is weeping. We don't know what's going on. Of course, we're probably very much persuaded that Ishmael's also crying because of the elements. The Bible said God hears the voice of Ishmael and the angel of God, not an angel, but the angel, which when we see that, phrase in the Old Testament is almost always the pre-incarnate Christ, called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? In other words, he said, what's the problem? That's what I want to preach on this morning. What's your problem? Now, we live in a day where that phrase is used arrogantly. People want to ask, well, what's your problem? That's not how I'm preaching it this morning, but this is what God told me to preach. He told me to ask, what's your problem? That's what God is asking Hagar. What is your problem, Hagar? What's the need? What's the situation? Why are you crying? What is your problem? That's what I want to preach this morning. What's your problem? Now, this phrase, what aileth thee, is not used very often in the Word of God. And matter of fact, I tried to study it and tried to be sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit of God, and it's one of the few words in the Old Testament that we don't have a, a full definition of the Hebrew word that is translated to aileth. But we all have enough common sense to know what's being asked here, what's wrong, what's the problem, Hagar. But you will find, even though you may not find definitions, you will find other circumstances where this question is asked. And it's almost always a king or a judge asking someone who cannot help themselves what the problem is. The most obvious mention is in 2 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha is the prophet of God and there's a famine in the land of Samaria and it's so bad that we read the story that there's a woman crying unto the king and he asked her, What aileth thee? and her answer is well me and this other mother conspired together we had a deal that we would eat my child today and her child tomorrow and now we've eaten my child and now it's come tomorrow and she's hid her son and we can't find him and she's broke the covenant of course the king weeps and he sits down in sackcloth and in ashes but the question he asked this woman who cannot help her situation I cannot fix her problem is what what aileth thee? And that's what God is asking Hagar. You're at a place where you have no power, you have no position, you have no possessions, you have no way to remedy your problem, but I have heard the voice of the land, I've heard your cry, and I'm interested in what your problem is. So tell me what is your problem? It's an amazing thing to me that God, and I'm just preaching it the way God put it on my heart. I know it's a little different gear and I knew this morning through the Sunday school hour and coming in, I just knew that the service was a little bit more somber. The Spirit was somber and I think the Lord is wanting to speak to your heart and I may not be in high gear this morning, but somebody here's got a problem and God is interested in your problem. God gives Hagar an open invitation to bear her heart to him and tell him what her problem is. In spite of... Now I want you to notice some things and I'm just going to give it to you as the Lord gave it to me. I want you to notice some things in your Bible that every time everybody else mentions Hagar, they always identify her in one of two ways. The Egyptian or the bondwoman. They identify her by her birth or by the, the circumstances of her past, by her background. She's either Hagar the Egyptian or she's Hagar the bondwoman. And so God is interested in Hagar and he just says, what aileth thee, Hagar. Not Hagar the Egyptian. Not Hagar the bondwoman. He doesn't care about her birth. He doesn't care about her background. He doesn't care that she's an Egyptian. He doesn't care that she's a bondwoman. He doesn't care that she's been banished and sent into this place. All he cares about is what's going on in her life. And he's going to bless her in spite of her. Matter of fact, he's gonna, he already told Abraham that he was gonna bless her and Ishmael for Abraham's sake. And in this, Abraham is a type of Christ. For you and I are blessed because of Christ's sake. It's not us. It's not about who we are. It's not about where we came from. In reality, we all identify here. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. All of us have a background that we wouldn't want anybody to know about. And because of our sin, we were banished from God. We were without God and without hope in the world. But thanks be to God, He came to where we were and saved us and blessed us for Christ's sake. And he says, What's the problem? Now, Hagar doesn't take time to figure out the problem, she knows the problem. Now I'm not preaching to folks this morning that you have to go home today and take inventory to figure out what's going on or what's wrong. You know right now as I'm preaching to you before I've ever said too much when I said what was on my heart. You knew what the problem was in your life that you need God to work on. You have come to the realization you are like Hagar, your water's spent in the bottle, which is a type of our effort, a type of our power, a type of our strength. It may carry us for a little while, but eventually it will run out in the desert. And You have tried to fix your problem. You have tried to change the circumstances of your problem. You have tried to To help that person That may be your problem And the Lord just got to deal with my heart Last night and this morning About your problem But I just want to tell you and give you what's on my heart maybe this morning it's a son Or a daughter that's your problem I'm just going to give you What the Lord gave to me I asked him what he wanted me to say And these are the things he gave me Is it a son or a daughter Do you have a son or a daughter That's lost Is that your problem? Do you have a son or a daughter that's wayward? Is that your problem? Do you have a son or a daughter that's going through circumstances? Maybe they're saved, maybe they're in the house of God, maybe they're living right, but circumstances and problems and situations that they're going through that your heart breaks for them and you have realized that it's out of your hands and out of your power and beyond your control to fix what's going on in their life. And their problem naturally, because we're their parents and we love them, has now been become our problem and it's left us feeling like Hagar Uh, Ishmael had a problem but it was a greater problem to Hagar because naturally she wanted to help and to fix but she could not and she had to cry out when God said what aileth thee Hagar what's the problem Hagar he didn't go to Ishmael though Ishmael could have said I need water he went to Hagar Apparently, Hagar was having a harder time with the problem than Ishmael was. And God visited Hagar and said, I know you're concerned about your son. I know you're concerned about your offspring. I know you're concerned about this situation. But tell me what's wrong. It's not that God doesn't know. He knows. Matter of fact, He he doesn't even give Hagar, if you read the Scripture, He doesn't give Hagar time to respond. He says, What thee, Hagar, fear not, for I have heard the voice of the lad. In other words, God just wanted Hagar. It's not that God's come this way this morning and I invite you to come tell him because he doesn't know. He already knows. He just wants you to know that he's identifying with you and with your problem, that he cares about your problem, that he cares that you're broken, that he cares that you're hurt, and he may ask in your spirit, what aileth thee? But thank God there's a greater word other than just his care of it. I'm his power steps in when he cares about it. Our problems. What aileth thee, hey God. God said, I've already got a well. I had it here before you ever came. And that ought to do something down on the inside of us before we ever got to the problem that we're at and God in the situation or that we're in or our children or whoever that it may be. God already had a will to meet the need in our lives. So what's the problem this morning? Is it a son or a daughter? Is it a spouse? Is that the problem this morning? Do you have a spouse that's lost? Do you have a spouse that's wayward? Do you have a spouse that's going through things that you can't help and you can't fix. There are going to be times in our lives spiritually that even as much as we want to, we can't fix or help. Or I know we can pray for them and I'm not diminishing that or minimizing that, but there's going to come circumstances and situations and instances in all our spiritual lives that we can't even help the one we love the most through their problems. It'll take God to do it. All our power, I said that Hagar's the type of us, and all her provision was gone. She had nothing left. Do you feel like this morning concerning that one you love that you have nothing left? whether it's for their soul, whether it's for the sin they're in, whether it's for the situation or the storm they're going through and you want to help them, but you feel like, hey God, I'm sitting under the bush with no water in the bottle, and God's come by this morning and said, What's the problem? And He wants to help you with your problem this morning. Is your problem a son or a daughter? Is your problem a spouse? Is your problem a storm? This is exactly what God gave me five things that I'm going to give them to you and then I'm going to be done because I know that's what my heart's to do this morning. Is your problem a store? It's not anybody else. It's not the son or the daughter, though I believe there are some. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm not uh, uh, trying to be a prop, but I believe, thank God for discernment, and I don't have as much as I need or as much as I want to have, but thank God that God cares enough about me. I was driving down the road, I was praying and said, God, we got church tomorrow. I'm as empty as a drum and I don't know what to preach. And out of nowhere, seemingly to our understanding, but from heaven came this verse and this thought and God spoke to me this morning and said there'll be someone to identify with everything I give you this morning in the crowd. And so there's someone here that your problem is your son or daughter. There's someone here that your problem is your spouse. That's what God said. That's what the Holy Ghost said to my heart. Don't. I hope that doesn't make you afraid. I thank God for it. But there's also someone here that it's not your son or daughter. It's not your spouse. But it's a storm that you're in yourself. And the Lord sees you and you feel like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is no different than Hagar in Acts 27, Genesis 21. They're both the same. They had come to place. Their efforts, their power, their ability was gone. They threw everything. That, that was the main rule of thumb. If you read in the Bible days, when a storm comes and you lose control, the first thing you do is lighten the road. Throw everything you don't need overboard and try to make it's better not to have certain things you think you need and to live than it is to keep them all and be drowned in the ocean. Right. But they didn't just throw what they didn't think they needed. The next day, they threw everything overboard they knew they needed. But they were in such shape as they were to do whatever they could. Is a storm bad enough in your life that you have done whatever you could, but it still is not enough. That's what, see, we don't see, but God gives us common sense. We're all human. We're all flesh. We would all most likely respond to Hagar's situation in the same way. We don't see all of the days between the banishment and between the Word of God, but don't you know that Hagar gave Ishmael no doubt more water than she took? She tried! She tried! And even though Ishmael has a problem, Hagar's in a storm because she cannot readily supply the need for her child. And she's tried everything she knew to do. They probably went as long as they could go. There's untold how many times that she heard the little boy say, Mama, I'm thirsty. And she would have to say, I know, son, but we got to go a little longer or we're going to run out of water too soon. And despite her best efforts, they still ran out of water. And I'm preaching to somebody this morning, I know, I know this morning I'm preaching to somebody that you've done everything you know to do. And despite your best efforts, the storm is still as bad as it was however many days ago that you entered in. You're no better 14 days as Paul was into the storm than you were on day one and you've done everything you know to do. And now God's come by this way this morning to this crowd of people and asked, what aileth thee? What's the problem? What's your problem? See, it's not this morning. The Lord did not want me and I thought, Lord, it would sound better. Now, I'm just being real open and transparent with you i talked to him i said it sound better for me to say what's the problem the lord said you're not asking them what the problem is that's to he said i want you to ask them what your problem is it's not about what everybody else is going through this morning god wants to help you individually what is your problem what are thee? he didn't say what ails ishmael though when he helped Hagar, he was going to help Ishmael. Uh, he said, "Hey, God, what's going on with you? And you're here this morning, and you're in a storm, and that's your problem. And the Lord wants to know what your problem is. He's come to help you. Is your problem a storm? It may not be a storm in light that we would use the word storm. Now, there are some things that may, in our mind, Go hand in hand. And I thought, Lord, a lot of these things overlap. And the Lord said, don't ask questions, just preach. So that's what I'm doing this morning. Because in my mind, storms would signify many things, spiritual or physical. But the Lord said this morning, is your problem sickness? That's what the Lord said to ask. Is your problem sickness? Are you fighting something physically, in your body, and you have done, it's not that you're out of the will of God. God wants me to say this this morning. It's not that you're out of the will of God. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's not that you're a horrible person. It's not God's wrath upon you. As many people, would, they would have you to believe that if everything's not just hunky-dory and there's money in the bank and it's up and the blood pressure's down, then you must, it's kind of like Job's friends, they come and say, well, you must have done something for the wrath of God to be poured out on you. Job said, I've not done anything. You're physicians of no value. You're clouds with no rain in them. And that's what a lot of the messages that are being preached in our day are. They just got no help in them. And somebody said something about a preacher that I'm friends with, and they said, well, if you get him to come, all he's going to do is help you. Well, ain't that what you want the preacher to do? I mean, do you really want to call somebody that's going to hurt you? And we need help in these days. Maybe this morning you got sickness and you're battling in your mind the thoughts of you've searched what you've done wrong. Now as far as I can tell, I know I'm not saying Hagar was perfect. We can look back in her past and know that she wasn't. She mocked Sarah. Ishmael mocks Isaac. There are things that they have done, but Hagar did nothing to bring herself to the place where she is right now. It was the will of God. You hear me this morning? It was the will of God. You say, do you have a Bible for that? I do. Abraham is grieved. And God comes to Abraham and says, do everything that Sarah said. It's my will. I will bless the lad. And so Hagar running out of water. Hagar setting Ishmael under the bush. Hagar crying thinking Ishmael's going to die. Are all apart part of the will of God to bring Hagar to a place that she relies on God. She's followed. Now I want you to hear me. I never thought of it this way before until just now. She had depended on following Abraham. She had depended on following Sarah. And what they did, she did. They served God, so she served God. But there's going to have to come a day in Hagar's life that she doesn't serve because of Abraham. That she doesn't serve because of Sarah. But that she has a first-hand encounter with God Himself. And that's what's going to happen on this day. He's gonna, for lack of a better word, he's gonna wean Hagar from Abraham and Sarah, and he's gonna walk with Hagar and Ishmael from this. It doesn't matter what kind of a mindset, it doesn't matter what kind of a picture we get in our eyes or our minds when we think of Ishmael. We must understand it was the will of God to bring them to this place, and God blessed Ishmael for Abraham's sake. There's a lot of people don't have a very high thought of me or a high thought of you. But I'm telling you, I'm not where I am this morning because of who I am or what I've done. I've been blessed for Christ's sake. And so it may be that your storm, your sickness, may be bringing you to the place where God teaches you to take His hand and walk hand in hand with Him. Too many of these days, I'm afraid, that the majority of Christians are walking hand in hand in hand. Not hand in hand. They're holding someone else's hand, and that someone else has God's hand, and that's how they're walking with God. But God wants to eliminate the middle man, and He wants to take your hand personally, and you walk hand in hand with Him. He did it for Elisha. Elisha, God knew as long as Elijah lived, that Elisha would lean on Elijah. And the Bible said that as they walked and talked, that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. These are the things of God and they parted them. It was God that separated Elijah and Elisha and took Elijah and allowed Elijah's mantle to fall back and put it in the heart of Elisha to pick it up. And he walked back to the river. And I believe there's great significance in him crying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, I have walked hand in hand in hand with the God of Elijah. But he said, now I just go. I need Elijah's God to walk hand in hand with me. And he will. But it may take your storm and your sickness to eliminate the middleman, so he can walk hand in hand with you. And then lastly, I thought I was done. I thought that's all God wanted me to preach. And this morning, before we walked out the door, God said, preach on a stone. Is there a stone? Is that your problem? Is there something hindering your progress? And He brought to my mind the stone of Lazarus that they had to roll away. You've been saved. You're trying your best to live for God, but there's something standing in your way. The women said as they were going to anoint Jesus for body for burial, who will roll the stone away? They were admitting in themselves that something stood in their way to do what they knew they needed to do, but they did not have the strength to move the stone. And the Lord said "There's somebody here this morning, it may not be a son or daughter. It may not be a spouse. It may not be a storm. It may not be sickness. But there's a stone of hindrance in your way. And you've analyzed. You've looked at it. You've measured it. You've weighed it. And all of the figuring comes back the same. I can't roll it away. And I want to tell you, God said to tell you this morning, all your figures are right. You can't roll it away. But He can. And He's asking you this morning, what aileth thee? What's your problem? Let's stand all over the house. I'm done. You know if you have a problem. You know what your need